Hey, good morning, everyone. Today is an exciting day. We've got those who will be baptized after the service, uh, at the end, towards the end of the service, and so exciting. Some adults, some teenagers, some older children that are going to be uh, getting baptized. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Lives that have been changed through Christ. That's what it's all about. How many of you have ever uh, done this? Hopefully, I'm not I'm not the only one, and uh, maybe I just chalk it up to a, a senior moment uh, as I start pushing towards. I can't even say it. Um, uh, I, I, I drive. Our house is about three miles away from here, and I drive down uh, Ridge Road, and I've driven it a million times. And there are times when I would get to church, and I would think back, like, did I stop at the stoplight? Did I, did I, did I stop, did I stop at the traffic? Did, did I wait for the traffic signal? I'm, I'm sure I, I did, but it's just that the things that you do over and over and over again can just become automatic for you sometimes. And maybe some of you that has happened, happened to you after, you know, doing something over and over and over again. And I was thinking about that. And if we're not careful, um, we can do that maybe with our Bible reading or maybe with worship or a worship song where, We've maybe read the same thing over and over again, or maybe we've sung the same thing over and over again, and it can tend to lose its meaning, and that's called familiarity. It's when you get familiar with something, and it doesn't have its impact. And we're looking at a series, at looking at the words of Jesus, and what did Jesus have to say about certain things? And over the last couple of weeks and, and going into the next couple of weeks, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. What did Jesus have to say about prayer. We're taking an in-depth look at the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer because they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. How to pray, And the Lord's Prayer is incredible. It's one of those passages of Scripture where many of us have it memorized. When you hear the Lord's Prayer, you know it. And maybe you were raised in a church tradition where you said it every single week uh, in the church service. So most people are very, very familiar with the Lord's uh, Prayer. The problem is that it can become familiar, and Jesus didn't want his teaching on prayer to become routine or to become familiar. The one thing that the Lord desires to have with us is a fresh relationship each and every day. God doesn't want our relationship with him to become stagnant. And what can happen after we've attended church for many years or reading our Bibles or just worship in general, sometimes if we're not careful, it becomes familiar. We get used to it. It becomes common and we lose our fervency for the Lord. That vitality that we have for the Lord and serving him can kind of wane at times. And I believe through the Lord's prayer, what Jesus is teaching us is how to have a vital, fresh relationship with Jesus every single day. God doesn't want your relationship with him to become stagnant. He wants to be full of life and vigor and to be excited to want to serve the Lord and to come to church and to worship him and do all those things that we should be doing. But he doesn't want those things to become callous or become familiar. And I believe this is the heart of the Lord's prayer. Jesus teaches us what is at the heart of God, how we are to approach him, how we're to have a relationship with him, how are we to go to God and ask him for the things that we need in our lives, I believe are all implemented within the Lord's prayer. See, it's not something that we simply memorize and then go through the motions without understanding what it means. At that point, all it is is some ritualistic religion that I control. 
And God doesn't want us to use some manipulation or some prayer that we use it just to manipulate God. The purposes of the Lord's Prayer is to teach us the heart of God, to the place where we know him and know what his desire is for us. So the Lord's Prayer teaches us to stay close to God and not allow us not allow our hearts to become familiar with God. So I want to look at the Lord's Prayer again. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And let's see what Jesus says when the disciples ask them how to pray. And first he shows us how we're not to pray. And he says, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that wonderful? God knows our heart even before we ask him. And this is how you are to pray. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And what I want to focus on today is I want to focus on verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. It's interesting that Jesus says today. He doesn't say give us our bread for tomorrow. For next week, for next month, he says, give us today our daily bread. There's something very specific about that and why Jesus said today. And we're going to allude to that and we'll be looking to the Old Testament, how God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, how he gave them manna for, for, from heaven each and every day, that there was this provision that God provided for them that was for that day, not for tomorrow. I think there's something about our hearts that we want to think about tomorrow, next week. How many know it's okay to plan? It's okay to plan. We should have a plan. But how many of you, if you have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, and you look back over the last five years, how did that all work out for you? Right? We should have a plan, but know that God is the ultimate planner, that God is ultimately sovereign. And so we need to be flexible knowing that when we pray, we, we want to pray in God's will and know that our plans may not necessarily be God's plans, and we have to be flexible enough to understand what God has in our lives. It's okay to plan, but Jesus says something here about today. When we go on a missions trip, there are five things that I tell everyone that goes on a missions trip. And these are the five points I give them. I say, point number one, be flexible. Because what's going to happen on this trip, we may have our plans and it may get shot out of the water and everything may change. So if you are a planner and if you're a little methodical about things, you're not going to have a fun trip. So blessed are those who are flexible. So I tell, and then I say point number two, be flexible. Point number three, be flexible. Point number four, be flexible. Number five, be flexible. If you can do that, you're going to have a great trip. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. That Jesus wants to meet us where we're at today. Jesus said, tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I want to provide for you today. This morning, as I was going over the message and just praying for for, for you and, and for today, it was like this little Jesus, me coming to Jesus moment for just five minutes. 
And the one thing that the Lord showed me is this, as I was sitting there and just going over the message, it was like all of a sudden the Lord was just speaking to my heart about his provisions. Because I tend to be anxious many times. and I tend to worry, like, how is this going to work out? What are we going to do? And I can tend to get a little methodical. And Kathleen knows when we go on a trip together, I plan the heck out of the trip. I just plan it from Kathleen. goes, can I just have two hours just to rest and read my book? No, we got to go to the next thing, right? I tend to overplan things. But um, I tend to be anxious. And as I was sitting there and just listening to the Lord and just praying for you and praying for the service, the Lord just said, Barton, just, just thank me for today. Don't think about tomorrow or next month. Thank me for today. And I just sat there and just thank the Lord for all his blessings in my life. Do you realize we have so much to thank the Lord for, that our God is such a good God. And it was just nice to sit there and thank him for his provisions for today, that he meets our needs every single day. And I think sometimes for me, and I'm just speaking to myself, that I get ahead of myself and get ahead of God because I worry about so much and, 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 it, and it takes away from what God wants to do in our hearts today and how he desires to bless us today, how he desires us to have a grateful heart today. But the worries of tomorrow rob us of God's goodness today. And I know for me, it, it can the worries can rob me of what God desires to do in our hearts today. And so Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, knowing that God is going to provide that is going to meet our needs. You see, verse 11 is, is a transition in the Lord's prayer. Notice at the beginning of the prayer, we're focused on God as our father. We are to hallow his name. We're to pray that his will be done. And then there's a shift to our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And we're not to start with our needs, but we're to first recognize our provider. Parents, you get this. Uh, from when your kids are very, very young, your children are always asking for things, aren't they? I need this. I need that. Help me. They're completely dependent on us as parents, right? And when they get older, it doesn't change. It just gets more expensive. It gets really expensive. It's just a lot of money, right? And wouldn't it be wonderful, uh, parents, if your children just came to us and said, Father, Mother, I am so grateful for you and the provisions and how you provide for me and put the clothes on my back and put the food at our table. I am so grateful for thee. Wouldn't that be wonderful, right? You would fall over dead, right? Um, but it's interesting. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, I hate to admit it, oftentimes we come to, to God like, like our children just asking for things, right? And we forget many times that God is a good God, and we come to him thanking him for his provisions. And many times we come to God in a panic with our needs. We have so much going on in our lives, and we're concerned with so many things and others and what others are going through that have become overwhelming. Um, have you ever felt this way that I don't know if I can take one more thing or I don't know if I could take any more bad news? Um, Jesus knows that about us. So when we come to our Father, we come to someone who cares, who knows us. It's a close relationship that we discovered as we were going through the Lord's Prayer. When we hollow his name, we worship him. We are putting his name above every other name. Jesus says, don't treat God's name as common. We're to treat his name as sacred and holy. 
And what this does is when we worship God and we come to him, it calms us. It gives us a peace and security that he will take care of us. But as I'm rushing into God's presence with all my anxieties and all my needs, I will forget that he is a good God, that he is a holy God. And I don't allow God to settle my spirit. But when we worship him and we come to him as our father and we know he will provide for us, it settles our spirit so that the rest of our prayer time is calm. It's at peace because we know God will provide for us. So what Jesus wants is Jesus wants us to take careful consideration when we come to God in prayer. Take careful consideration. See, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, what are we saying? What are we really saying? What's, What's behind that? Well, what we are saying is God is our ultimate provider. And we are entirely dependent on him. And so what I want to do is I want to trace the meaning of bread, the symbolic meaning of bread for us through the word of God, because it's very symbolic. Why did Jesus use the word bread? Why didn't he just say, you know, just provide for our needs in general? Why did he use the word bread? It's very important for us to understand this because bread has a very specific meaning in the Bible and there's so much going on here. So I want us to give us a greater, greater understanding of the meaning of bread and why Jesus chose bread. See, for those uh, living in biblical times, and, and especially in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we understand that bread is a staple of life. Bread is symbolic of the staple of life. In fact, in ancient Israel, bread was their staple, and it was made either of wheat or barley. And God told the Israelites that he would bless them with wheat and barley when they were entering the promised land. So we, when God takes Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. He, he leads them into the wilderness, into the desert. And there's absolutely nothing there to provide for their needs. There's nothing. They had to be completely dependent on God to provide for their needs. And what God promises them, he says, when I lead you into this promised land, I'm going to provide for you these things to meet your physical needs. In fact, Deuteronomy 8.8 8 says this. It says, in the land of wheat and barley, they called the promised land the land of wheat and barley, the land of, of grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. All these things were going to meet and provide for their needs. As they're sitting in the wilderness, there is none of those things. There's no honey. There's no pomegranates. There's nothing. They have to be completely dependent on God to provide for them. And what God does for them in the 40 years of their wandering is provided for them, provided for their needs. And what he provided was this thing called manna. Bread from heaven. In fact, they don't even know what it means. The word manna actually means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. And every day, God would drop manna from heaven, and they were to pick it up, and they were to eat each and every day. And they they weren't to keep it for more than a day, because if they kept it one more day, it would spoil, uh, unless it was the Sabbath. And so this sustained them. They were allowed to to gather, to eat for each day, and if they saved it, it would spoil. This is where we get the understanding where Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. We're seeing a picture here of the wilderness where God says each and every day, I'm going to provide you with manna from bread from heaven to sustain you each and every day. Not for tomorrow, not for next week. What God was teaching Israel is I need you to depend on me each and every day. I'm your provider. It was a recognition that daily God would provide for them and they wouldn't have to worry. They wouldn't have to fret because God was their provider. 
See, manna symbolizes God's grace and love for Israel by taking care of them. The man of the bread was a symbol of God's grace. Did they deserve God's grace many times? Absolutely not, because they would be in the wilderness and they would complain about the bread. And when we were in Egypt, we had this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you remember when you were in Egypt? You were in slavery. But they, they began to complain. But God, by his grace, continued to sustain them and love them through the symbol of manna. The manna reminded Israel that God was with them and would never, ever leave them. It was seen as a covenant relationship with God, that God said, I will be your sustainer. The bread was symbol of this covenant relationship that God had with Israel that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be your provider. You need to trust me. And so in response to God's grace and provisions, what Israel was to do was to give a grain offering to God. It was an act of worship. By giving this grain back to God, they were saying, God, we recognize you as our provider and we worship you through this grain offering. The grain offering was given to God as a worship for God's provision. Did God need the grain? Does God need our money? Survey says, eh, no, he doesn't, right? But for us, it's an act of worship that says, God, you are our provider and we recognize that you are first in our lives. And so it's an act of worship. We give, we give financially. It's an act of worship that we say, God, you are a provider. I'm recognizing that you are first in my life. So I give this as an offering to you because you are a good God and you always provide for me. And so bread was also seen in the tabernacle. It was actually called the show bread or the shoe bread. This is interesting. Because what priests would do is they would keep 12 loaves of bread on a golden table. And the 12 loaves of bread symbolizes the 12 tribes of Israel. So the bread was always before them, showing them that God is their daily provider. The showbread was a constant reminder of God's everlasting covenant and his provisions for Israel and for us. So every time they walked into to the tabernacle, they could see the shoe bread or the showbread and be reminded that God is their ultimate provider. The bread was symbolic of God's grace and care for their lives. Ligonier Ministries uh, gives a good definition of, of, of a definition of the purpose for the bread and why it was so important. It's a dining with someone in ancient Near East was a sign of fellowship and peace. So the priest eating the bread of the presence in God's house signified the Lord was at peace with his people. This is so interesting. The bread there showed that God actually was at peace. There was a fellowship there. There was a covenant there that God had with his people. And it showed peace between God and his people. See, the bread in the tabernacle is a future picture of Jesus becoming the bread of life for us. Now, this is good. This is good. Everybody lean in. Everybody online, lean in, okay? This is good. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, we understand that we take communion, that bread symbolizes his body that was given for us. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the sustainer of life. When Jesus gives his life for us as the bread of life, what he does now is create peace between us and God. We were enemies with God. And so what Jesus does through his life is draw us near to God, which we were far away from God because of our sin and our rebellion. 
It created a disconnect between us and God. And that's the reason why Jesus came. So that he would seek and save sinners and make that relationship that was broken with God, make it new again. So for us, we were enemies with God. And through Christ Jesus, we now become friends of God. There's an intimacy. Jesus being the bread of life draws us into a relationship with God that we are now at peace with God through Christ Jesus. And through fellowship with Christ, we are now at peace with God. And this is why we take bread at communion. It's about our relationship with Christ. We're recognizing that Jesus is the only way. That Jesus is the only provision for us. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That without Christ and his sacrifice, we could not be forgiven of our sins. So he provides for all our needs, all our spiritual needs, all our physical needs, come through the bread of life, Christ Jesus. Somebody just say amen. I'm preaching to myself. I feel so much better. I just This is good for me. This, I, just, I just love this. This is so good about the person of Christ. So it's all about a relationship with Christ. The bread symbolizes this relationship that God desired to have with his people through his grace and his mercy by providing for them. And so the bread symbolizes the body of Christ. Jesus, as the bread of life, gives us everything we need to satisfy our spiritual hunger. So Jesus referring to himself as the bread of life means he's all-sustaining, that he and he alone is the only one who can offer eternal life, that our souls will be forever satisfied, that we don't need to seek any others, that he is the only one that gives eternal life. So bread symbolizes our relationship with God, and also bread symbolizes our relationship with one another. It's interesting, the one thing that characterized the early church, when the early church was first started and launched, there was no church like this that they went to. What they would do is many times they would go to the, the, the steps of the temple and worship, and then they would go to their homes, and they would meet, and they would gather together in this new relationship that they had with Christ Jesus. And the one thing that symbolized that relationship of this new church was that they broke bread together. Now, this is interesting. Acts 2, 4, 6 says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In fact, our Acts groups, our home fellowship groups, um, are called Acts groups from this very verse. That these early church came together, they met together, they fellowshiped together, and they broke bread together. See, the bread was symbolizing that fellowship they now have through Christ Jesus. When we take communion together, there's a union that we take together as the family and, and we are unified with Christ through his precious death and his resurrection. We are now unified with him and we're unified with one another through Christ. And so when we take communion together. What binds us together as a church is Christ and what he has accomplished for us. And so the early church recognized it by coming together and fellowshipping and breaking bed bread was a sign of intimacy It was a sign of fellowship, a coming together, a closeness for what Christ had done in their hearts. Now, as you, you know, I've had a chance to to travel to some other places. It's interesting to look at the culture of other places and 
having the wonderful opportunity to travel to Central America and and see how uh, people fellowship together and eat together. And, and there's a big emphasis that you see in many other places around the world about breaking bread together and eating together. And I really noticed that we had the wonderful opportunity to travel with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law to Italy last summer and my nephew. It was a wonderful opportunity for Kathleen. But I, what I noticed, if, if you've ever traveled to, traveled to Europe, is that when you eat dinner, it's an event. I mean, it's a thing. It's not in America. You eat your food, you scarf it down as fast as you can. You have indigestion and you move on, right? It's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But when you sit down for a meal there, it's like a two hour thing. There's different courses. And here's the thing. One thing that I really noticed about the, the wonderful opportunity of being with a family that actually lived there, lived in Florence was, was how important dinner was. And, and it wasn't necessarily about the food. It was about the relationship really interesting. And there was one young boy there um, of this family. He was 12 or 13 years old. He couldn't speak any English, hardly any English. And he sat there the whole two hours we were eating dinner together and never once looked at his phone. I know some of you are having a heart attack right now, like two hours over. <laughs> what would I do? Um, never looked at his phone and tried to converse with us the whole time go through his sister. Hey, what are they saying? Just, just to have a relationship with us. See, it wasn't a nest. The f- by the way, the food, unbelievable. I gained like 20 pounds, but the food was unbelievable, but it wasn't no so much about the food. It was about the fellowship. It was about coming together. It was about the intimacy of getting to know somebody and having a relationship with somebody. And see, this is what's important. Jesus invites us to come in and have a relationship with him. He invites us. It's interesting. Jesus was accused of eating with sinners. And and the religious elite would would condemn Jesus for that. But Jesus purposely did that because what he was doing by inviting himself to have dinner with them, to break bread together, he was saying, I want to draw you close to me. I want to have a relationship with you. And I, I want you to know that that's exactly who I came for those who felt far away. And I got thinking about that. That's exactly what we can do. I mean, there's a million things we can point at the world and all the wrong things are in the world. Amen? I mean, we, it's easy to do. But my question to us here today is the body of Christ and myself too. What are things that we could do as we reach out to the world to draw them in so they can see who Jesus is? And maybe that's through a meal. Maybe that's through breaking bread, baking a pie. A lot of good apple pie makers. This church is like off the roof chart of making apple pies. I can name like 15 people right now that can bake. By the way, I would like an apple pie. No, I'm just teasing. Um, With cheese. But anyways, um, I I had to throw that in there because I'm hungry right now. And that sounds so good right now. Um, These are ways that we could reach out to draw people in and and have a, a fellowship with them to have a relationship with them. And that's, and that's what Jesus did. The early church was characterized by breaking bread together. And the reason why Jesus was concerned, he was concerned about people, not concerned with what people said about him. And so when Jesus tells us to pray, give us this daily bread, what is he saying? Jesus is saying he is all we need, period. Give us this daily bread is recognizing that God is our father, that he is our provider, that he wants to have a relationship with us, that he desires to to meet with us each and every day and not have us worry about tomorrow 
or next month. It's okay to plan. I'm not saying that, but, but being, having the idea of knowing that God is ultimately in control and God, I can trust you and give me a peace. Let me, let me enjoy today and what you've provided for me today. Give us this day, our daily bread. I read this interesting story of, of children who were orphaned after the Korean war. And many children were orphaned because their parents died in the war. And uh, many children had to go to orphanages. And what they noticed is many of these children, obviously, they wouldn't have food every day. It was Food was scarce for them. And when they went into the orphanages, they would have three meals a day. But what they noticed about the children is that they would be very anxious and stressed out for the next day, thinking they wouldn't get food. Even though they would reassure them, they would say, hey, you're going to get, did you not get three meals today? You'll get three meals tomorrow. But there was this anxiousness. And what they noticed is the children couldn't sleep because they were so worried that they wouldn't have food tomorrow. So what they did was this. They would break off a piece of bread and they would put it in their hands the night before. And they would tell them they wouldn't eat the, they wouldn't eat the bread. But just having the bread in their hands gave them security to sleep through the night knowing that there would be bread for them in the morning. Some of you here today, you are so anxious about tomorrow and the next day that you're forgetting about that God wants to provide for you today. That he gives us our daily bread each and every day. And we need to be reminded of that, that Jesus says, today, today, I will be your bread. I will provide. Listen, tomorrow's still going to be there. Amen. And tomorrow's going to have its whole set of worries. Amen. That same boss is going to be there on Monday, right? Amen. Right? Still going to be there. But Jesus, don't let it rob you of what I'm going to provide for you today. So what I want to do is just before we close in prayer and sing this last worship song, I I want you to do something today. As you see at the front of the church, I have two communion trays with uh, bread in it, matzah bread in it. And before we get to the baptisms, um, when we sing this song, what I, what I want you to do is just in a symbolic act, if, if you so desire, I want you to come forward and just take a piece of bread. I don't want you to eat it. I want you to take it home. And I just want you to put it in a place where it's going to remind you each and every day that God is your provider. When you begin to worry, you begin to fret, fret about tomorrow, next week, or how's this going to work out? I want you to look at that piece of bread and remind yourself, Jesus, give me this day my daily bread. And let me just trust you. And let me thank you for what you've provided for me today. I know tomorrow will be there, and you'll give me enough grace for tomorrow and the next week. But today, let me thank you for my daily bread. Let him give you your peace. He wants to give you peace today. But our anxious hearts rob us of the peace and the joy and the blessing that God desires to give us today. Give us today our daily bread. Amen. So as we sing this last uh, song, you can, um, Pastor Brandon and I are going to get ready for, for the baptismal service. Just make your way up. Take a piece of bread and you can go back to your seat. 
and just take it with you and just let it be a reminder of you that Jesus is your provider, that he will provide all your needs that you're looking for. Amen. Would you stand with me? And I want to pray for you. And let's ask God just to help us. Amen. Amen. Father God, just thank you for your word today. Thank you that you've always provided for us. We see all through your word how you were a provider, that you always provided for your children. That man is a constant reminder that you are a provider. It's a reminder of your grace. And I thank you that ultimately that man is symbolic in Christ Jesus, who becomes our ultimate provider, who gives us everything we need to sustain us, to give us life, to provide for us, to give us peace. So, Lord, I just pray for anxious hearts today, for things that we're, that maybe we're thinking about that are overwhelming us. I just pray that we would just pray that simple prayer, give us today our daily bread. Thank you that you provide for all our needs that we never have to worry or fret. That, Lord, even the birds are taken care of. They don't worry. They don't fret. How much more do you care for us? So thank you that you are a good God. So, Lord, I pray that you would provide for us here today. And thank you that we have Christ who's provided for us everything we need to sustain our lives. We love you. We praise you. And we just ask these things. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. As we sing this, I invite you to come up, take a piece of bread. God bless you as you do that under the Lord.